0: I hope that if we can save one person from from making that desperate decision, one parent from losing their kid, one kid from losing their parent, anything. Like for me that's that's what we're doing here.
1: Is that- From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If the following story resonates with you and you need help or a willing ear to talk to, please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey.
2: Hey, and welcome to our collective journey from darkness to life. Is that the official motto? I absolutely love it. It is. That uh, was consensus finally after much debate. I think it sounds, it, it's so fitting as to what our collective journey is. And it's got everything to do with mental health and mental illness. My name is Poncho, the voice you just heard right there, Damian Davis. Welcome back to the studios. Uh, you shared your story on a on an episode of our collective journey and what I find so incredibly interesting about today's episode is that you have brought your wife hi Julie how
0: you feeling hi poncho um I'm good nervous okay
2: (laughs) Okay. all right good good that's what I how are you really because I know Damien and I we've talked about this before when you offer up you know real conversations in terms of how are you really doing so nervous it's good to be nervous how I see you feeling right now
0: Um, I'm excited to be a part of this. I know it's a really important conversation that has to take place. And it's funny, I was saying on the way over here, like I'm, you know, my self-worth programs are firing up right now. Like, is what I have to say important? Is it going to impact anybody in a positive way? So working through my journey too.
2: I can tell you right now, yes, it's important. It's just as important as anybody dealing with mental Mm -hmm. illness, because you have to deal with it. As well, being married to Damien and Damien, you had a, a great point that here you are together sharing your story. Have you been in the same room where you've shared your story with somebody, and and you've been here to listen to it, Julie, and vice versa? Or is this new for the both of you? Do you, do you think you know everything that there is to know about each other concern, concerning concerning? Damien, or do you think that this is going to be a learning process as well?
0: It's always a learning process, um, but Damien has been very open about his journey from from day one, the day we met. So I think there's probably not much he can say today that'll surprise me, that'll catch me off guard. Um, but yeah, it's always, I mean, it's constantly a learning process where we're continually learning things about each other and growing and learning that's just a part of this journey.
2: Let's start right there. Let's start when you two did meet. How, how did you meet?
0: Real story. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so Damien's pointing, Damien's pointing at Julie. Let's hear the fabricated one. And then uh, yeah, we <laughs> to, get to the real.
3: obviously she <laughs> seen me from across the room. And that was it. Instant, yeah. instant sparks. <laughs> uh, no, no, there's the, uh, I had known about, or I had heard about Julie through some uh, common friends. Um, You know, she was single and I was single, but leading a pretty nefarious life. And they had always told me that I should meet this girl. And, you know, I uh, never had the courage to, you know, reach out to her Um, until right before, I guess, I started my, my journey of sobriety. Um, I sent uh, a friend request on Facebook as, you know, a 36 year old man should do. And he's pursuing a woman.
2: <laughs> well, Hey, you know what? I, it's better than Tinder, man. Let me say that. all <laughs> right? I mean, that's a
3: whole, that's an
2: episode for an entirely different episode. Very true.
3: And, uh, you know, after I sent the friend request, I, uh, I did what I typically do, which was just kind of hide out and, and never reached out to tell her I was interested. Um, and then I'll let Julie, you know, tell the, the rest of how the story went.
2: Now, have have you heard of Damien at this point? So you just get a, a text, a friend request from somebody that you know or don't know or somebody that you've heard of.
0: I had no idea who he was. He popped up as a friend request and I, we had one mutual friend. So I asked her, I'm like, who is this guy that's sending me a friend request? And she let me know then that she's like, oh, he's an amazing guy. I think you should meet him. And that was.
2: Would you find out later that your friend was trying to set you two up? Was that so that this was always the plan?
0: I think that was the intention. <laughs> Except you just
2: neither one of you knew it. You knew
3: it, Damien, but you didn't know
2: it. I were.
0: didn't have a clue. Yeah.
3: Yeah, very true. So you know, a month passed, and she posted a picture of fish tacos on Facebook, and you know, to pursue her in the only way I knew how, I just hit the like button. <laughs> You hit your like button on fish tacos. You know that's clever, man. That's I, smart. Well, I love fish tacos, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, a day later, she messaged me and said, "You know, dude, who are you, and why are you liking pictures of fish tacos?" And again, I I did what I typically do: is I clammed up and I didn't know how to react, so I waited a few days before I responded. And I responded. We started to chat, and. The rest is history, I guess.
2: Please tell me your first date had something to do with fish tacos
3: I don't
0: remember or tacos. Well,
3: it was at local. I
0: don't remember if I had fish tacos. <laughs> it was a part of our stuff. wedding vows. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
3: really did
2: you write your own wedding
0: vows and put fish tacos in there I told him I loved him more than fish tacos that was a part of our wedding
2: vows <laughs> oh, okay you must have been getting some weird looks do you have that engraved on your on your band fish tacos just on the 24 karat gold fish tacos should, yeah so you're dating you fall in love when do you tell Julie about your story and about alcoholism and, you know, the addiction and the life that you've led and your mental illness. When does that come out? Cause that's a heavy, heavy topic to bring into a new relationship.
3: Yes. First date. Yeah. First, first date. date. Yeah. Yeah. First date. I think uh, for the first time in my life, I was completely open and honest and vulnerable with another human being about uh, where I was at. I think I was only 41, 42 days sober when I, or maybe, yeah, somewhere around there when I met Julie, um, I'd had a pretty transformational week coming up to meeting her and and realized that I had to be completely honest with myself, number one, about who I was and what I wanted out of life. And number two, I had to be completely honest and open with somebody else if I wanted them to um, love me for me.
2: Anything good. You don't start with, with lies, right? I mean, you don't start a foundation concerning everything with that. And I shouldn't say lies. It wasn't lies. The option of either coming clean and and telling what was happening in your life or not. He tells you his story, Julie, what's your first reaction? Are you like, what have I gotten myself into?
0: No, not at all. Actually. I think before, like we had kind of, talked and messaged back and forth for a few weeks prior to actually meeting for the first time. And I had an inclination that he had some, I, he, I just had a feeling he was sober. Um, so we went, we went on our first date. Um, it didn't surprise me that he didn't order a beer. And we talked about it at the end of the date as to why, like I, I ordered a drink, I had a drink, he didn't. And he <laughs> kind of brought it up at the end. And
3: Did that bother you? N- no. Damien? No. No, not, not at all. I think, uh, 11 days into the this sobriety journey, the obsession to, to drink and to drug was kind of removed from me. So being there with another human being who is normal and can have drinks does, doesn't does affect me, didn't affect me then, and, and doesn't now.
2: So date number one, and Damien comes clean. He explains his uh, drinking and drugging, as you say, and right out of the gate, you're okay with it? Or, or did you have questions
0: yeah of course I had questions. um I think I just i could i could feel from him that he was i mean he was really on a mission to 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 live a different life than he had been before like it was it was very apparent I mean, I didn't know his I didn't know his whole history. I didn't know everything about him, but I just i don't know I was just it was a feeling that we i mean we always joke that I probably should have ran after our first date because who gets into a relationship with somebody who's 6 weeks sober right well, and, you, and you
2: know what that that does happen a lot with with relationships that have anything to do with mental illness is that unfortunately sometimes it does end up in a separation or a divorce but day number 1 he tells you what's happening are you wary are you impressed that he is so so honest with something so heavy that's happening in his world
0: yeah i was it he was he was very vulnerable. He was very, he was open. I could tell he wasn't attempting to hide anything. It wasn't like he was trying to be somebody that he wasn't or to, you know, play it, downplay it. Like it was, it was, and still, I mean, it's a big thing. It's not, it's not a non-issue. But it was something that he was right from the get-go was open and honest about it. So that, I mean, that, that put me at ease just with that knowing that like if he's going to be if he's going to be straight up front with something like this right off the bat, that it's a little more reassuring that going forward in a relationship, there's going to be that open communication and honesty and vulnerability. And it's not going to be, you know, trying to hide things. So it just, it just showed his character right from the beginning for me.
2: Did you have to learn then about mental illness and, and mental health and what to expect?
0: Yeah, it was a huge learning curve for me. Like, um, as far as addiction and alcoholism, I had I had no idea. My my idea of you know what an addict or an alcoholic looked like was kind of the stereotypical movie. You know what you see in a movie: someone that's living on the streets, can't hold a job, drinking out of a paper bag. Like that was my perception of what it meant to be an alcoholic or addict. So to to meet somebody who is clearly not any of those things, no, and it, it, and has I've since met a many other amazing people that that's not their story but that doesn't exempt them from alcoholism or addiction or mental health.
2: Yeah, no, Damien, I mean, he lives in an incredibly positive life. And even when he, even when you were dealing with everything before sobriety, you were still living that duality, you know, I mean, you were maintaining all of your responsibilities and then some, an incredibly successful career. And then on, on the flip side, you had these demons that you were, battling. So, Julie, when you were exploring mental wellness and mental health and learning about it, is that something that you two had to do together? Was it a work in progress? Is it still a work in progress? As as an example, did you have to tell Julie, hey, look, when, when I'm acting like this, it's not because I'm in a bad mood. It's because I'm, I'm dealing with mental illness.
0: I think... <laughs> I yes. think that was a learned thing in our relationship, like right off the bat, because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand, you know, like when, when his anger would, you know, when he would get really angry over a situation that I didn't feel like was worth the intensity of his anger, I didn't, I would push. And I would, you know, we would, we would battle more about it then. Cause I, you know, I, for me, it wasn't, I, I didn't understand it. And, you know, over six years I've learned that like, that's part of his, that's part of his disease still. That's, it's not, I don't don't know how to explain it. It's, I, you know, we've, I've learned how to, like we, we manage it differently now. If he gets angry, he takes off for 10 minutes, cools down. And then it's, you know, it's usually mostly a non-issue. He gets angry because he's angry.
2: And you know why now?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I think, I think I took it to heart and I took it more personally in the beginning of our relationship. Whereas now it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's still things that we disagree on and, and.
2: Well, those are just relationships. yeah,
3: Yeah.
0: There's a difference when I can tell it's.
3: And so I think, you know, for me, they. Being at the start of my journey of sobriety, when I met Julie and me learning about, you know, why I was the way I was and that it wasn't my choice to be an alcoholic or an addict or have these mental health issues that, you know, this disease was something I was born with and the resentment and the anger that comes with that. That was the thing that kept me stuck. It wasn't the the drugs and alcohol weren't my problem. The drugs and alcohol were my solution. Right. And Julie met me sober, but I still have this anger issue. I still have fear. But when I became spiritually well and started living that life, the anger is something that I can't afford to have, but it still comes. And I get angry that I get angry and Julie is compassionate enough and, and empathetic enough to know that, you know, I need to take a moment to get from my head to my heart. And when I get back into my heart, we can come and talk about whatever the situation was. And 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with the situation that may, that I got angry about. It has something to do with my self-worth or some fear that I have or some inadequacy. And then we can work on that and communicate about what I'm going through or what she's going through so that we can meet in the middle. And it happens quickly now, Pancho. It's not like prior to meeting Julia would be, I'd get mad and then I'd go off for weeks or months. Now within minutes or hours, I can come back and realize that's part of me, but it's my disease. It's not me. That's getting angry. It's my disease. That's looking for a chink in the armor that wants, it wants me back out drinking.
2: You mentioned that these conversations that you have, these heavy conversations, they come easy, but it's it's because it's something that you practice. And regardless, if you practice something negative or positive, it does become easier. The fact that you were so incredibly honest with Julie right out of the gate, personally, I can think back to two relationships in my world. I really believe that a huge part of my divorce is because I wasn't honest with my then wife and I tried to hide it to protect her. It didn't protect her. Mm -hmm. If anything, it left her more confused, which left me angrier. And then I was in another relationship. And again, because of not coming clean, you know, I, I pushed this woman that I cared deeply about away. So, I mean, the fact that, that you didn't go that route, that you kept everything out there, Open and honest. I think it's a a huge part of of why you guys love each other so much. And I can tell, I mean, I met you about 20 minutes ago, but the fact that you have your chairs turned toward each other, you know, the fact that I can see your hand resting on your wife's leg every once in a while, I think that speaks volumes, not just about you, Damien, but about you, Julie, and as a couple that you were tackling, you know, Damien's story and what he has to manage and cope with every single day. Together, um, do, do you have any personal issues with mental health, mental illness, which, incl- I mean, we're just not talking, you know, drugs and alcohol, but, you know, paranoia or OCD. I, I mean, there's more than 200 illnesses that fall under the mental illness right. umbrella.
0: No, I, I don't think personally I have any mental illness. I mean, we all, we've both done a lot of personal development work in the last five, or five or six years. And yeah, I have, you know, I have all of those crazy self-worth, you know, like you're not good enough. Nobody, you know, you're not smart enough. All these, all these crazy things that I think to some degree, we all battle mental health because that's just part of the human being. You know, some is more severe than the other. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I have any sort of mental health issue where I would need drugs or anything to cope with it. But um, yeah, we've, I've done a lot of work on myself in the last, in the last five or six years as well to, to be able to carry my part of this. I mean, it's it's not just him in this. And I've had I've had to to learn to love myself a little bit more as well over this whole process. So Well,
2: I think you have to put your as selfish as it sounds, and Damien and I, we've touched on this before, you have to put yourself first. You have to put your your happiness first yeah. before you can come together as a couple. Were you somebody that really followed that 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 stigma, did you believe in that mental health mental illness stereotype that you can't live a successful life if you're suffering from a disease?
0: Um, I don't know about the mental illness, but i I guess i mean the the stereotype part of it I think is more i i'm more associated with the drugs and alcohol um, the mental health part of it i I think I don't know how much I I really thought it was legitimate. Um, I was I'm a personal trainer, so I know a lot of I have had clients that have, you know, battled depression and and have mental health issues and before really understanding it I would always have that part of me that's just thinking, well, like eat better, exercise, get good, you know, get rest and and that'll, you know, you'll and be better. You're,
2: and you're right, and that's a huge
0: And it is a part a of it. Part However, of it. now I understand that I mean, while those things can improve it for some people that it's, it's, it's deeper than that. And I think I just have a better understanding of it now than I, than I ever did before.
2: Cause Damien, you're, you stay in incredibly good shape as well. Do you find that that has been a, an emotional
3: release as, as a means to stay positive? I think there's, there's a balance to life. I think I was, I always lived life to the extremes. I was either, you know, not drinking and throwing myself into fitness and health and wellness with no balance on, you know, emotional development or healing, you know, the things that had gone on in my past where I was living on the other side of the extremes, which was, I was trying to blot out my existence with drugs and alcohol and not caring about any of the physical things that I need to do as a human being. And I think today my life has to be in balance, you know, it's, it's about what I eat and it's about, you know, am I getting exercise? Am I getting enough rest? Am I helping other people that might be suffering? And then the piece that kind of I need to focus on sometimes is, am I there for my family? Because when I'm outwardly focused and I'm always going, 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 doing this podcast or helping alcoholics or addicts or suffering, I forget that my sons just need their dad or my wife needs me to cook her supper tonight and, you know, take care of her. So life is a journey, you know, and, and it's not about perfection today. It's just about progress. It's being able to have an awareness that, where am I in balance today? Where day by I, day. Yeah. Where am I not in balance? Okay. Well, maybe you need to eat a little bit better because if there's a correlation between what I put in my body and how I feel today um, and that I had to learn, you know, there's no textbook out there that told me how to be a human being. Um, I'm just learning it, being around other thriving human beings, being around my wife, where we can have open, honest conversations about significant topics as opposed to, you know, some subs- <laughs> surface type conversations all the time.
2: Since you've gotten together and because that you have to deal with mental illness together, do you find out of that comes a healthier lifestyle? Just not for you, Damien, but for you, Julie as well, even before you met, it sounds like you were living both healthy lifestyles, but do you see, do you see that more as a, a priority? Does it come easier now? Do you have to put more or less effort into living a healthy lifestyle now that, well, you are affected by mental illness, at least in some respect indirectly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we just make it a priority. We have to, because there's, you know, there have been times where um, it hasn't been as high as a priority as it is right now. And I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not like we've ever had, you know, rough patches, but things just, things are easier. Life is easier when we make our our physical or mental or emotional health a priority.
2: Ha, has it made for some tough times though, when you do have your bad days, Damien, have there been some full out fights? I, I mean, are you ever left feeling burnt out or emotionally exhausted? Is this something that, well, we're parents of three boys <laughs> under four, right?
0: I mean, so yeah, yeah that, that I comes. was going to say that. That's why I feel exhausted. That part, yeah. all, you know
3: what I think it is, Poncho? I think that, uh, we were say we say this often that you know my bad days rarely coincide with Julie's bad days. We kind of offset each other, take we, turns. We can build each other up, um, and I think that's what being a human being is: is that I can have bad days, and I'm okay with that. But I'm not able to stay stuck there anymore. I have an awareness of where I'm supposed to be, which is not existing anymore. I'm supposed to be thriving, and when I'm thriving. Everybody else around me does better. The energy I put out—sure, love and light and hope. Well, who do I attract into my life? People with love and lo- love and light and hope. When I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, who did I attract into my life? People just like me—people that were hurting, that wanted more, maybe, that just couldn't get out of that, you know, that cycle. And today, you know, I find it an obligation and a pretty cool responsibility to be on the other side of that and to go out and give hope to other people and then have that conversation with my three and a half year old son, my two year old son about what are you doing, daddy? Well, we're going to go fill people's buckets today. Okay. Go fill people's buckets, you know? And then they smile, they give me a hug and out the door, Julie and I go to go help, help people. Right. That's what this is about.
2: So you help, you help Damien as well in, ter- in terms of helping others.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's a team effort. We have to, I, there's, there's moments where, yeah, like in the last six weeks, in the last couple of months, he's been, he's been out a lot more than normal, but it's, I mean, it's not something that I can be angry about that he's gone. I mean, he's, he's doing amazing things and our community desperately needs, needs the energy, the positive energy and, and kind of these examples of hope right now. So um, I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm, you know, it's never something that I'm resentful about. Sometimes he's, sometimes I wish he was home a little bit longer and, it's just, yeah, it's just, it is what it is right now. And, and I'm grateful that we get to, I'm grateful that he does what he does. I'm grateful that we have the life that we have because of everything that he has done and the work that he's done. And it's, yeah, it's. I wouldn't change anything.
2: Do you have to put yourself in check every once in a while when you see experienced symptoms of what you're dealing with, Damien, that, you might go. Okay, this isn't a character flaw. Do you do you have to reset sometimes? Going, this is a, a disease, and I need to be there for him.
0: I don't think I think about it anymore. I think it's just. Did a, you
2: used to? Did you used to
0: think about I that? I think I yeah. I think I had to more. So in the beginning, because I just I really didn't understand it. So I had to. I had to really like yeah. It had to be at my front thought that like this isn't this isn't Damien right now. This is this is his disease, and this isn't this isn't actually how he feels or actually how he thinks this is something else is taking over. And, um, yeah, no, I think now it's just, I kind of am, have a better understanding of it, I guess.
2: How did you explain your disease to Julie? Uh,
3: as honestly and openly as I could. And I, I think my dad was the first one that uh, gave Julie the the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and told her to read it. Um, because you will understand my son if you read this book, right? And I think it's just through me doing what I do to help other suffering addicts and alcoholics and then coming home lit up and talking to Julie about the experiences of helping other people or when people come to our house and I'm working the 12 steps with them and Julie gets to see those people and interact with those people and hear you know, what we're doing, that helps her get an understanding. I don't know,
0: you know, I I was going to say it's more like, it's not what he has told me about it. It's more what I've experienced from what he's shown me from the work that he's done, from the conversations that he has with other people. And so I've, I've kind of learned it, I think more that way than, you know, the words of like, this is what it is. He's kind of shown me.
2: What's and and Damien? What's the one thing that you've taken away? If there was one, I'm I'm sure there's many. What's the the single greatest strength that Julie has given you in terms of of dealing with your illness?
3: Uh, I know it's a tough un- question. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's. I think unconditional compassion. You know, to she holds me accountable when I'm acting like an asshole, but she, she does it with true love um, where she's not going to let me, you know, stay victim. And she reminds me that I have to be responsible and I have to go out and do stuff to, to get well, because I don't get well and then help people. I get well by helping people. And Julie's come to understand that. And, and she'll gently guide me to, well, maybe you should call somebody. Maybe you should go to a meeting. Maybe you should help somebody. And then, you know, I get resentful towards her right away, but I know that. You know why? And
2: Julie, do you, do you know why he gets resentful right away? Do you know that this is not, this isn't Damien, but again, this is his disease coming
0: through. Yeah. When he's, I mean, when he's in his shit and he's having a, you know, it's not a good day. It's not a good week, whatever it is. Like there'll come a point where I'll say like, when was the last time you were at a meeting? And he'll get pissed off at me because that's not what he wants to hear. And then he'll storm out the door and go to a meeting and come back and say, yeah, that was exactly what I needed.
2: And you did notice then that sometimes it's not a a bad hour or a bad afternoon or even a bad day. I mean, sometimes, you know, these, it can go on for weeks, sometimes even longer.
0: Not very often. Like I would say we, we don't, we don't have bad weeks. We don't have, we, we tend to deal with things quickly because we need to like, you have to. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we, I don't think we've ever said like we don't go to bed angry, but we don't go to bed angry. Like we we deal with things when they need to be dealt with. We don't let things linger. We don't let things carry on for days and weeks because that that not only affects us, it affects our kids now too, right? Like our kids like directly imitate our energy, right? So if we're having a shitty day and you know that our energy is is sour. Like they'll they'll
2: pick up on our, that.
0: Our kids are also acting the same way and then we're getting angry that our kids are angry and but we're angry and it's just this vicious cycle. So we tend to we tend to deal with things quite quickly.
2: Can you remember the first time you saw I guess Damien's disease come out? Can you remember the first time how you had to deal with it? And how do you deal with that? Because I, sure, there's there's books written on it, but I mean, until you've been through it, until you've experienced it, it's, it's hard to start somewhere. So Damien, did you say, hey, look, when I'm acting like this, Julie, I need this from you? Or Julie, did you go to Damien, hey, look, you're being an asshole. I know why you are. I'm just calling you out on it.
3: The only example I can think of, Pancho, is... I don't know if it was about three years into our relationship where, you know, I I, I'm sober, I'm recovered and we were doing some personal development stuff and, and the overwhelmingness of life just kind of took over and those dark, dark thoughts came back in an instant. And I think for the first time, Julie got scared that, you know, I was going to go harm myself and this is well into sobriety that the mental health piece came clicking back. Um, is that maybe one of the That, was,
0: that was kind of the, the moment that came into my mind too. Yeah, it was, we, there was one moment that sticks out to me that I was I, I was afraid that, I wasn't afraid that he was going to go and find some Coke or get drunk. I was afraid that he was going to hurt himself. Um, and...
2: Would you have thought that this was, would have been a concern if he hadn't told you right out of the gate what he's dealing with? I mean, would you have just seen it as, what's wrong with this guy? Is he in a bad mood? Why is he, why is he so angry? Do yeah, you think he po- would have figured it out? Because
0: yeah. for me, I've never, I've never experienced thoughts of self-harm or thoughts of suicide or anything like that. So I knew that that was something that, that happened for him. And so it did, it did scare me in that moment, knowing that those, he has had those thoughts before in the past, could he be having these thoughts now and could this be the moment that he acts on them? So I guess, yeah, like I've, I didn't understand it. And maybe, maybe I wouldn't have had those, had those concerns if, but, if I didn't know that that was.
3: And I think Julie did the, the exact right thing, because if you've never, if you've never <laughs> been there and you've never been in that dark place, how do you, how do you help yeah. somebody that's in that place? But what she did was she reached out to my sponsor who had been in that, that space sure. before. And she reached out to my dad. And I'll never forget it. I was.
0: I didn't reach out to your dad. I reached uh, out you know, to your brother.
3: Yeah. And he reached out to my dad who got a hold of me. And my dad does not call me. You know, me and my dad have a very unique relationship. Um, but he's been in some dark spots and, you know, led a, a life where uh, he could relate. And, and yeah, he called me that day and, and we just talked. Um, he kind
0: of went MIA. He He basically left the house at early in the morning and I couldn't get a hold of him. I couldn't nobody could get a hold of him and I was I was terrified.
2: Do you do you know why you left?
3: Yeah, it was uh the pain of whatever I was going through was so overwhelming that it it consumed me. That's all I could think about was not wanting to hurt the people around me anymore, not wanting to hurt anymore. And this is well into sobriety. Like I'm I haven't had these thoughts for a long time and all of a sudden my disease was back at full force and just all the old programs of you're not worth, you're not worthy, you're worthless, the self-pity, the selfishness, the fear of, of being me was just too overwhelming. And I, and I, yeah, I left and, and was probably the darkest day I've had in a long, long time. And yeah, like I said, not thinking of anybody else, not wanting to answer the phone to talk to Julie, not wanting to talk to my sponsor, but my dad, you know, got through to me and, and, I'll, just, I'll never forget it. I was on the, the highway coming back from Elkwater because that's where I was at. And he just said, stop, pull over. And he said, look outside. He said, you'll never see the clouds in this moment again. You'll never smell what you're smelling again. And he really got me back into a moment where I became grateful of where I was and you know what I was experiencing. And again, went home, you know, and was with the person that chose to love me. And we worked on it together.
2: How did you feel when, when you went home, what, what what was going through your head going, how, how do I explain this to Julie?
3: It's one of those things that you can't even explain it to yourself. So how do you explain it to a human being? Yes. Right. Yes. So it's just, instead of trying to explain it, I think it was just, let me go be with, you know, be with Julie, be with, you know, the person that I chose to marry and chose to marry me and, And we'll go through this together that I don't have to go through this by myself, which was my go-to that somebody as powerful as her could just be there with me, not needing an explanation because I can't explain these things because they're, they're unexplainable. They're just there.
2: You're right. So how do you explain it? To somebody else I, I mean you're the one dealing with it and sometimes you don't even know how to manage so how are you supposed to convey that to somebody that you love and you do love each other I, I can feel it I can see it it's a testament to the fact that Julie you reached out to Damien's dad to say hey look something needs to be done and Damien the fact that you've been honest with everybody in your life concerning what you're managing I mean you have this amazing support group you know it's and you're surrounded by all of this love, but when you're having your bad days and I can relate, you know, you're loved. Fuck. None of that matters. Cause you've convinced yourself that, Hey, planet earth is better without me. Why, why the hell am I even here?
3: Yeah. I had somebody explain it to me this way. One time is that I've always, I always see people better than sometimes they see themselves. I, I talk to everybody. I can relate to all human beings, CEOs to crackheads. And I'm, I'm somebody that pours my heart out to others. And I would never say ill of anybody, but this disease, this voice in my head talks to me in a way that is so degrading and so demeaning. And so it's so powerful. And this person said, why do you let that talk to you like that? When you would never talk that way about another human being. And it hit me like that voice isn't me.
2: And it's tough to do because we're our own worst critic and you have these feelings of, of no confidence and losing, losing your self esteem. And you feel like every decision you make is the wrong fucking decision. As long as I've known you and it hasn't been real long, but the qualities that stand out of which you have many is, uh, your courage, your strength, your fearlessness. So, you're already a rock and now you have julie somebody else that loves you somebody else that you can lean on has that helped your journey
3: oh this was everything i ever dreamt of and at a certain point in my life i uh I started telling myself that I didn't want to be married. I didn't want a relationship. I didn't want to be a father because the, the pain of wanting that and not achieving that would have crushed me even more than I had been crushed throughout my life. And to have drawn into my life somebody that is the most powerful, beautiful, compassionate human being that just walks with me that sees me as I am in all of my character defects and all my character traits and just loves me is something I could never, I never dreamed of this poncho. And now that my dreams are true and I get to look over and see our youngest son just sitting in his car seat on the floor, man. And and
2: quiet. He hasn't (laughs) said,
3: he hasn't uh, said a peep. Yeah. It's i I'm very grateful that I went through what I went through. And I'm very grateful that I get to be here to be supported by and to support another, an amazing human being. And we get to do this together.
2: I, I have goosebumps and I wish you could see it, but I, I, you know, the love that you have for each other is absolutely phenomenal. And I wish more people could see this and experience what you have. Something else that I was, I was told, and we all say it in passing. I love my kids so much I would die for them. And somebody said, okay, yeah, that's fine. But do you love them so much that you're willing to live for them? And that's something that I will forever think about. And you have so many reasons to live. You know, your family, your friends, your wife, (laughs) your three amazing kids. Julie, as you continue to grow and learn and and go through your life with your husband, Damien there's so many of us that have mental illness and there's so many of us that are surrounded by those that love us and want to help. Where do you start? What, what kind of advice do you offer for those that want to help their, their partners that are suffering?
0: Um, I think you have to start with empathy and compassion and, I think I've always been I've always been a compassionate and empathetic person. I think I am that much more so now. Um, and it's it's education too. It's it's learning about it because if I if I didn't learn about it, how could I even begin to understand it to be empathetic or compassionate to it, right? Um I think that's that's my biggest takeaway in the last 5 years is, you know, Six years ago, I would have, I would have been kind of on the boat of, you know, somebody who, somebody who's drinking or drugging and they can't stop. Like, you know, I, I didn't have the understanding that it's, it's not just as simple as, well, just, just don't do the drugs. Just don't drink the drink. Like, just stop. Why don't you just stop? And understanding now that that's not, that's not how it works. That's just, it's not how it works. Um, I can, I can just have that compassion for somebody who's struggling rather than looking at them like they're a stain on our society, right? I can see them as a human being who is struggling with something that I will never be able to understand, but that doesn't mean that I can't be compassionate towards them, and I can't be empathetic and and treat them like the amazing human being that they are.
2: I think you said some amazing words there, uh, empathy and honesty and compassion and understanding and to have the courage to talk about, you know, what's happening in your world.
0: Like I will, I will never understand what it is to live a day in the life of somebody who battles depression or struggles with alcoholism or addiction, but that doesn't mean that I have to be ignorant to it. And it doesn't mean that I have to be an asshole. I can, I can be empathetic and understand to the best of my abilities and educate myself more so that i i can i can get a glimpse of what they're battling but i'll never i'll never claim to know what it's like to walk a day in the life of
2: damien do you think your disease your illness has as crazy as it sounds brought you closer
0: i think so i think it's forced us to be it's forced us to be honest. It's forced us to have hard conversations. Um, I think in, I would say in all of my relationships prior to this, I would, whenever there was an issue, whenever I was mad about something, I would just not talk about it. I'd be mad for three days and then we wouldn't talk about it. So
2: talk, you need to talk.
0: So we don't, we don't have that option. We, we have to talk about things. We have to have open communication. Um, And it's, I mean, it's been a big, a big thing for me too. Cause that, that was my go-to when we were dealing with something, my go-to was to just walk away and not want to talk about it. I'll, I'm dealing with it on, on the inside. I'm not going to tell you I'm mad. I'm just going to be pissed at you for three days. Um,
2: and then that's when you build up resentment. Yeah. And I mean, fuck if, if, I mean, if good things came easy, well, we'd all be happy. <laughs> Wouldn't be, you know, but ultimately
0: yeah, it takes work. Yeah, you're, you're, I had to. Yeah. I had to get uncomfortable too, because he would. He'd force me. He knew I was mad, and I didn't want to talk about it. But if we don't talk about it, if I'm resentful, then he gets resentful, and then we're just bouncing anger and resent off each other, and it just builds to a point that's. I mean, it's not good for anybody.
2: You know, everybody likes the good times, but it's the hard times that really binds any relationship. And you mentioned it as well, Damien, you said, we, we can talk about these things almost instantaneously now. And that's something that you wouldn't have been able to do if you didn't start down that path.
3: And it comes with the awareness that, you know, I think Julie and I grew up polar opposites of how our childhoods were, but we still both deal with the same things, the, the self-image issues, the self-esteem issues, the self-worth issues. And it was really enlightening for me to see that this, this, beautiful, put together, amazing, powerful woman still deals with some of these things on a daily basis and never let the world know that was just internalizing them. So her, what she's going through is very similar to what I'm going through. And even in our beginning of a relationship, we didn't, we're not talking about that, but I have to live a certain way today, Poncho, so that I can maintain my sobriety so that I can maintain my mental health because nothing is more important than that. If I lose those two things, I lose my wife. I lose my kids. They just, they'll go away because of my, my self-destructive behavior. But to be on this journey with Julie, who's, you know, not, doesn't go to such a dark place, but is still dealing with the same human condition emotions is pretty cool. Maybe not cool, but it's, it's, I'm grateful that I have a, a partner that's okay with talking about these things. That's okay with being outwardly focused and sharing her story. So maybe she can help others.
2: I, I've been managing my own mental illness for 20 some years. And even after speaking with you, I feel incredibly enlightened. So thank you very much. Um, final thoughts. It's okay. If if you have nothing to add.
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really grateful for, you know, the, the things that have come out of the last few months here. Like, I mean, our, our community has gone through hell and I lost a really good friend this summer. So to see that there's like a glimpse, like the tiniest thread of silver lining coming out of it, it gives me hope. Um, I hope that if we can save one person from, from making that desperate decision, one parent from losing their kid one kid from losing their parent anything like for me that's that's what we're doing here and it's some days it's uncomfortable and it's it's hard conversations and you know I I wish I wish we could take this summer away I, I really wish that things would have been different um but that's not the reality so if we can attempt to make things a little bit a little bit better that's why I'm here
2: so keep hope alive yeah, Damien.
3: I think Julie said it all. <laughs> you know, I was apathetic for a long time about what was going on in our community, and and that apathy is something that drove me to get off the get off the bench and get into the game. There's there's too many amazing people that are hurting right now that uh, hopefully we can reach or reach via this media medium and our stories can resonate. You don't have to be the addict or the alcoholic to suffer. You can be, you know, anybody can be going through something. And that's what this collective journey is about is sharing your story to help other people.
2: And and you've both helped people. A lot of people you've helped me today. So thank you for making the time. Thank you for, for pouring your hearts out there because uh, I think this was a hard conversation at, at points for you um, my name is Poncho this has been our collective journey darkness to life Damien, thank you Julie, thank you Owen, three and a half months old still snoozing away absolutely Oh, he's, in- seven weeks oh, he's old. awake. he seven opened weeks his weeks eyes old. when you said his name <laughs> hey, there he is again congratulations thank you so much for being a part yeah, of this Yeah,
1: thank
0: you Poncho for Thanks, being Pancho. a part of this
1: From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you feel you have nowhere to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien want to help contact our collective journey on facebook at our collective journey or on the web at our collective hosted by poncho parker produced by rob pape engineered edited and directed by dave crookshank from darkness to life is a plugged in media network exclusive check out this and our other great podcasts at pie medianetwork.com thank you for listening